Hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. This week we're back with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are objectively the best biome. I'm Rachel. And I'm Nicole. And today we're going to talk about an animal that's definitely underappreciated in some ways, but also a bit overhyped in other ways. Oh, I love it. Let's tear down somebody's (laughs) reputation. Yes. Do a little bit of both today. We're going to be talking about the hyena. Oh, okay. Okay. That's not what I expected. I can't wait. A specific species or as a group? As a group. Okay. Yeah. Editing Nicole here. Uh, we realized we forgot to put a content warning on this episode. It's not anything crazy, but we will be uh, diving into the strange world of animal genitalia. So if you listen to this at work on speakerphone or you listen to this with small children, there's a warning for you. It's not until like the last 30 minutes of the episode or so, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Okay, enjoy. So yeah, there's... (laughs) It's it's a little complicated and sometimes it's really hard to learn a lot of information about all of the species, but I tried my best and we will be focusing mainly on one of them just because there is way more research on them. So it's just the nature of the game. But yeah, I want to bust some myths. I want to raise up the other species of hyenas that are out there and uh, yeah. Okay. I'm ready to determine once and for all my favorite hyena species. Fantastic. Okay. I have a favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Is the one with the most research, the spotted hyena? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like the only one that people know even exists. So I'm glad that you know that there's more than one species of hyena. Do you know how many there are? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to guess, how many do you think there are? Like five. It's very close. There's four. Oh, okay. That's fewer than I was expecting you to say, actually. Yeah. So it's like a very rare group of animals. Yes. I'm very ready to grill you about taxonomy, but I'm going to assume that you're going to talk about that. So Yeah, I know that you like that. So yes, let's just get it out of the way now. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Let's go. Um, Each of the four species of hyenas are actually in their own genus. Oh. Yeah. So they're very distinct from one another genetically, but they do have some morphological characteristics that are very similar to each other and like some dietary and the way that they hunt and stuff like that that's very similar. And then there's, like, one that's just completely different. He's his own thing. He does what he wants. That's going to be your favorite. That's my prediction. (laughs) Your smile says it all. I'm right. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Yeah, you are. Uh, They're just so cute. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Not that that's a reason to have something as your favorite, but I mean, it is. So It, it can totally be a legitimate reason. Yeah. There doesn't have to be logic behind <laughs> your favorite things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but hyenas, they, they kind of have a bit of a bad rap. They're thought of as like dirty, nasty, stinky scavengers that steal all their food from other predators. Um, and then there's been like in the last like 10 years or so, a lot of not only research, but just like really good PR (laughs) for hyenas talking about how, oh no, most of their kills are things that they do themselves. They don't just steal. Um, They are highly social and they live in matriarchal women-led groups and they're so smart and they work together and blah, blah, blah. But I'm here to tell you. (laughs) Is that propaganda? It is propaganda. All of that PR is specific, not only to just the spotted hyena, but it is also... Kind of half-truths. 
Fascinating. Yeah. You saying that it's only the spotted hyena does not surprise me at all because, again, when you say hyenas, they're, nobody's picturing a group of animals. But I'm ready for the half-truths. Yes. Let's destroy some reputations. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I will say um, Christine Drea uh, is, a, is a hyena researcher, and she mentions that any self-respecting carnivore would scavenge if given the opportunity. I think that that's fair. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, there's animals whose entire way of existing is to, like, steal food from other animals. That's, yeah. like, dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's efficient. Yes. There you go. Smart. Why, why bother doing all that work of hunting something when you can just steal the lion's food? It's fine. Yeah. Or take leftovers. I mean, that's <laughs> just, like, you talk, want to talk about going green. Yes. No waste. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, One of my favorite quotes that I kept, like, stumbling across was about how, like, fast hyenas eat. What? (laughs) And how much they eat. So they can eat, like, 25% of their weight in one sitting. And the hyena, like, clans, the groups of hyenas can be really big. So when they take down an animal, even if it's, like, a topi gazelle that weighs, like, almost twice as much as they do or, like, a small buffalo, like... Within just a few minutes, like some some researchers said like 12, 15, somewhere in there, that carcass is literally just like a smear in the grass when the hyenas are done with it. That's absolutely insane. Because they, they'll eat the bones too, oh, right? Yeah. Not just when they're desperate, but just when they're taking yeah. a fresh carcass. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's fresh kills. Like they're not just cleaning up after other people. Like they eat everything. <laughs> that is so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> And they have an amazing uh, bite force uh, to get that accomplished. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Are we? I want to <laughs> – hang on. I have one question. Yes. How how intense is the food coma they experience after <laughs> that sort of l- level of engorgement? I mean, probably pretty intense. I will say that, like, it's – because hyenas, no matter what the species, they do have a little bit of, like, a hierarchy going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, top, the top hyenas are going to eat the most, and then the lower ones in the pack or, or the clan are going to eat a little bit less. So – Depends on who you are. If you're your okay. top mama hyena, you're probably in a pretty good food coma. Okay. But the ones lower on the food chain, probably still a little hungry. <laughs> okay. That's legit. So, yeah. But we are ahead of ourselves. Okay. Get, get yes. us back yes. <laughs> in our starting position. <laughs> so, the four species of hyena. The spotted hyena, the one that everybody knows. It's the one that's in The Lion King. It's the one that's in every documentary ever about anything to do with Africa. Um, but there's also three other ones. There's the striped hyenas. <laughs> they have stripes. Wow. They're very cute. There's the brown hyena. He's brown. Very cute. Very fluffy. The brown hyena, I think, is my favorite in, like, looks. Okay. Because they look just like mobsters. Um, In what way? <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Their it, face? <laughs> a little bit. They always have, like, kind of a scowl to them. And they're just, like, very fluffy... It, I don't know. It, it's don't, hard to describe. See, when, um, you say, when you say fluffy, I don't picture mobsters. I know. I, I know that those <laughs> words don't seem to make sense, but if you look up at a picture of them, you'll you'll get it. Shall sure. I or will yes, you? Yes, I will show. Okay. Oh, okay. They're stout. It looks kind of like the corgi of hyenas, <laughs> but also a little bearish. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they have like a bear face, and I think that's where like the mobster mentality, at least for me, comes okay. from. Okay. But yeah, they're just they're just kind of gnarly looking. What a luxurious coat. 
Yeah. And they don't have like the spotted hyena, like they have like that little mane like up top. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like they have pretty short coats. Um, and I don't know, it, it, the brown hyena just looks completely different than that. The striped hyena also has like a fairly short coat with a much larger mane um, than the spotted hyena. And then the fourth hyena looks nothing like the other ones, and that's the aardwolf. Oh my god, the aardwolf is a hyena? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well now I'm extra not surprised that's your favorite out of them. <laughs> that's insane. I was going to say that the last one, the brown hyena, mm-hmm. if I saw a picture of it, I would not immediately identify that as a hyena. Yeah. Neither, I mean, the aardwolf even, mo- even more so. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they look way different. Like, the all the other the other three hyenas are very bulky. Like, they're kind of, like, pit bullish in, like, body shape. They have really big barrel chests. And they have that nice, like, slope on their back. So the really long front legs and the short back legs. Kind of fairly similar body shapes. Um, just different colored coats and patterns. And the aardwolf has just the tiniest little face, a big long muzzle, a big long tongue that he uses to eat uh, termites. Oh, what a good guy. He's very cute. Um, And he just has a completely different life history. And a big part of the reason for that is because of the evolutionary history behind these guys. Okay. And I know you like this stuff, so oh, I wanted to make sure. so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> yes. Wait, can I just say that depending on the picture that mm-hmm. I am seeing, sometimes the aardwolf kind of looks like the chihuahua of hyenas. A little bit, yeah. He's got a little bit of a chihuahua face, maybe. Yes. He's also got stripes, which I think is very confusing. Yeah. The So the striped hyena and the aard, aardwolf, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they look kind of similar like they the aardwolf is much um oh. leaner um and it has like really big ears the aardwolf is also much much smaller which isn't mm. immediately apparent if you're just looking at pictures sure. um the aard aardwolf only weighs like 30 pounds and the other ones are 100 150 even 200 pounds okay when you get into like the spotted hyenas they're by far the biggest and they can push 200 pounds okay so Wow. Dude, the striped hyena also looks way more bulky and muscly. Like, the freaking neck muscles on this thing are intense. Like, this one looks like a hyena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyenas, um, they, at least the three, what are called skull crushing or bone crushing hyenas. (laughs) So the spotted, striped, and brown. Um, They, yeah, they're super muscular. They literally will just, like, bite onto a prey item and just hold on for dear life like nice. that's, that's how they kill things like nice. <laughs> they're endurance hunters they'll either just run it to exhaustion or they literally just bite onto it and like just wait until it dies like, incredible yeah it's it's gnarly um and like i said the, the aardwolf heats termites so he doesn't need to be big and scary <laughs> yeah um but their evolutionary history is very interesting like i had no idea about any of this stuff um, hyenas originally first evolved um, in Eurasia about 22 million years ago. Interesting. Yeah. And they were living in forests and they looked a lot more like civets. So kind of like very small, short-legged, tree-dwelling creatures. Okay. Yeah. Civets are kind of elongated like a weasel, right? Yes. Or am I picturing the wrong animal? No, yeah. They okay. are. Cool. Mm-hmm. And um, they, as they kind of moved away from forests and more into grasslands, they became taller and looked more like what we think of a hyena today. 
around 15 million years ago, um, more kind of dog-like hyenas. Um, so they didn't have like the slopey back. They were a little bit more kind of gangly, long-legged mm-hmm. hyenas um, were the dominant hyena type. There was feline type hyenas and then like dog-like hyenas. And the dog-like hyenas were extremely successful. They actually um, spread even into North America and were thriving. Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually a report, like like studies have found that like cave hyenas, which were absolutely gigantic, um, were a big part of the reason why humans took so long to get into like alaska fascinating yeah. oh my god but you said that started out like 15 million years ago so they were in north america for a long time yeah wow mm-hmm. that's very cool and i'm very sad that they're not here anymore yeah, wait right? am i i'm sad that like <laughs> smaller hyenas aren't here anymore i'm okay without dealing with cave hyenas because they were okay. just gigantic <laughs> But like, it's scary. I, I don't want to live in caves. Like, they can have the caves. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not a bat biologist, so I'm not. You know, I don't have any stake in the game. Can you imagine though, like <laughs> the sounds that hyenas make, and you like go into a cave and you just hear that like reverberating through the passageways? Like... Oh, that is some nightmare fuel. I love it. That would be such a good horror premise. <laughs> it would, though. Imagine trying to monitor white nose syndrome with cave hyenas. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with them not being here, um, personally. Okay. <laughs> I'm on your side here now. Thank okay, you for thank enlightening you. me. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think... I didn't write it down, but I want to say it was about like three million years ago where all of the dog-like hyenas uh, went extinct. Climate change, they just couldn't keep up. They all went extinct, mm. except for the aardwolf. And that's why he looks <sighs> so different. He's from a completely different lineage of hyenas than the other three. Oh, my God. Wait, uh, my brain must have spaced out. Uh, so where... Where geographically did the aardwolf survive? He survived in uh, Europe and Africa. So he, okay. he never really went to North America, but some of the other dog-like hyenas did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, other question. Yes. Um, the other three hyenas, are they considered dog-like or feline-like? They're cat-like ones. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. They're, they're the bone crushers. They're the big, bulky, scary ones. And then there's the little dog-like ones that just, like, prance around and eat termites. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was trying to figure out, like, what was feline about them. And I guess it's skull morphology, probably. Yeah. Mammologists. Yeah. They're so obsessed with skulls. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Because, yeah, when we think, at least when I think of cats, I don't really think of, I don't know, bone crushers. But, I mean, tigers are huge. Lions are huge and have very big, bulky jaws. So, like, okay, I get it. Um, But hyenas, as a group, are felines. They are not canines. Um, Interesting. mm -hmm. Are civets feline, too? I believe so. I'm trying to figure out, like, how they diverged from other carnivores, I guess, is what my brain is doing. Like, are civets... This is a very interesting topic to me because I, I guess, ha- <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> I, I carry with me a longtime grudge against somebody who tried to convince me that foxes were cats. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, don't, I was like, you don't even study biology, but she was a furry and really felt like foxes were cats spiritually. So <laughs> amazing. 
Yes, I double-checked. Civets are felines. Interesting. Okay. Wait, now I have to look up a civet. They're very cute. I love civets. They are very, yeah, they're like elongated and kind of short, but they do <gasps> have like like the big bulky neck, the big oh my head. God. Like, yeah. Yeah. What is this freaking stripey one? It looks very raccoon hyena-like. Yeah. That is fascinating. Like, and this guy, I, I, I don't know that I knew this animal existed. Oh. Like, there's ones that are purely dark. That's what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there's some really, really cool civets. This is a big group of animals. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how diverse civets were. Yeah. Fascinating. Unlike oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. This civet looks like an otter corgi raccoon hyena. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, it looks like somebody could have designed this as a, like, <laughs> fantasy creature. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. An OC. <laughs> it's somebody's um, fursona that they invented, and it turns out it exists in real life. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. No, yeah, civets are very, very cool. A lot of them, like I said, are more, like, forest dwelling, but there's definitely some grassland okay. ones. So. It's so interesting that they're more related to felines than, like, mm-hmm. mustelids or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and I love that... Yeah. Hyenas, like, are cats? I don't know. Because you look at them, yeah. and I just think dog. Right. But it's, like, I guess, purely superficial appearances that yeah. make that feel true. Mm-hmm. And I guess behavioral, too. Because I think, I think so much of culture, especially, like, pop culture, mm-hmm. identifies something feline by its behaviors. Yeah. Like, when we attribute non-animal things to being feline, like, I don't know, people or, like... <laughs> Uh, what else do people associate with cats? I don't know. But, you, you know, like, yeah. I feel like... Uh, you think of, like, grace. and like, yeah. yeah. Or, like, really deliberate movements. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I guess, like, personality traits, too. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe being less trusting at first. Or, like, yeah. you know, so it's very much, like, a vibe <laughs> <laughs> that they're exuding and not, like, physical characteristics, necessarily. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The way that we perceive them. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. This, like, tickled my brain cells. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's uh, great. Um, what? <laughs> tickled my brain cells. <laughs> it got me. Um, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we have... It's fascinating to me that all of the four hyenas that we have left are so distinct, like even even to have their own like genus. So they're distinct genetically, um, but they're also very distinct in um, like their behaviors and stuff, which is never, ever talked about because people only talk about the spotted hyena. <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it is disappointing. And that's like one of the things that originally motivated me to want to do this episode because um, I knew that there, you know, was four different hyena species, but we only ever talked about one of them. Were you also motivated by the sex stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. We can't not talk about it. So I do have a page of notes just on the sex stuff. Oh, yeah. Because it's fascinating. Um, I was teaching one of our, like, non-huge biology nerd friends about it last night, and she was flabbergasted. So I forget that people don't know these things. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised, like, even though I know she doesn't have a degree in biology or whatever, like, I'm still surprised that 
she didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there's stuff that I learned too, like Ouch. with the sex stuff. But anyways, sex stuff, we'll save it for last. You got to stick around if you want to learn more about hyena sex. That's a little right. teaser for you. put that in the beginning. <laughs> just <laughs> hook them in real good. Okay, yes, anyway. yes, yes. Um, but let's let's just get the spotted hyena out of the way. Okay. Because they are really cool. Like, I'm not saying that they're not cool. Yeah. But it fresh-faced me that the other ones are not talked about. Let's talk about the one that's talked about. <laughs> I don't know why so this kind of moved past on the sending, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, spotted hyenas are highly precocial when they're born, um, which is very unique. The other hyenas are don't have that high of a precociality to them. Um, we talked about this last episode. If a baby is precocial, that means that it's like very well-developed versus like a little baby like Robin being naked and ugly and hairless. Hairless? <laughs> mm, they're always hairless. Featherless. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, or like, you know, like baby kittens are, you know, very eyes closed, ears closed, pretty helpless. Mm. Baby spotted hyenas um, not only have their eyes and ears open, but they even have teeth. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, good job, um, babies. Yeah. And like, I mean, poor mom, but. <laughs> I mean, like. What do you mean, poor mom? They they gotta still suckle. Oh, I see. I forget about <laughs> boobs. Okay. Yep. Um, and they actually, even though they're very developed when they're born, um, they will continue nursing off of mom for like a year or oh more. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Which is bizarre because usually one of the benefits of having precocial young is that they're going to be independent quicker. Right. But that's not the case with spotted hyenas. Very interesting. I guess I assumed immediately that they ha them having teeth meant that they were ready to snarf down nope. meat. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> they, they are big mama's babies and hang out with her for as long as possible. Wow. Um, if she has another litter, obviously she's going to wean them a little bit quicker, um, but they will continue nursing for at least a year. It's going to be um, probably... 18 or more months before they make their first kill um and three years before they even think about dispersing to another clan mm. so they hang out with mom for a long time and a lot of the reason for that is uh these animals are extremely social um so mom is teaching her babies you know how to navigate that social society because mm. it's very nuanced um there's a lot of like really subtle things that they do but then there's a lot of you know the laughing noises and the, the cackling and the snarls and more obvious signals mm -hmm. um but all of the spotted hyena society in particular is based off of mom so if your mom is high ranking in the clan you will also be high ranking you're going to be right underneath her if your mom is low-ranking in the clan, you are also going to be just right underneath her. It's extremely rare for a hyena to move up or down um, in their, yeah, their societies. So, so they have, like, I don't know, it's just, it's it's striking me how different that is from so many other hierarchical yeah. animal systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, usually it's the biggest, the meanest, the nastiest, the loudest will be be the top yeah. and it's not so with hyenas it's very much based on mom and very much more subtle social things going on versus just being the loudest or the meanest sure um a lot of primate um societies are very similar to this so wow. hyena society has a lot more in common with like primate society than it does like 
other cats or dogs or what have you, other mm. social carnivores. Interesting. So, yeah, it's it's very, very unique. And I'm not going to say that I'm an expert by any means, but I did go on a lot of rabbit holes and I watched like three different documentaries. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Like, I love social animals. Mm. And um, I found one uh, article that mentioned only like 10% of carnivores are social, which is makes sense but was also very shocking to me because we have such a focus on the social ones because they're interesting to us sure yeah so but it makes sense like there's so many animals out there that only come together to breed or you know you know raise babies maybe and then they like leave but a lot of times it's literally just for breeding and then they go their separate ways right so yeah fascinating very but this this uh ranking within their clans is called rank inheritance so they're Mm. they're literally inheriting their rank from their mom dad has very little do to do with raising pups and that's why i keep just saying mom (laughs) he's he's just hanging out i don't know what he does there's very little information on what the males do in these clans they just kind of hang out (laughs) um which is fine not everyone needs to be bickering all the time so is it true that the highest ranking male is below the lowest ranking female yes it is yeah um, in spotted hyenas. So keep this in mind. All this is just about spotted hyenas. Right. The other ones have very different clan structures. Um, so, but we always just say, oh, hy- hyenas. It's never specified. Spotted hyenas. Hyenas are matriarchal. Hyenas are, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's always just spotted hyenas. It bothers me. <laughs> and I got onto this website. It's called uh, hyenaproject.com, hyena-project.com. And they gave three hypotheses for this rank inheritance. So why is this happening? Is it the genes of the mother that's determining this? Is it hormones? Or is it social support? And I think all three of those are like really good hypotheses. But they do single out one as being the most important. And which do you think that might be? Uh, Say them again. Genes, hormones, or social support. Interesting. Um, I'm going to say not genes, crossing that one off. I'm going to say... I'm going to say social support because that sounds different. (laughs) Yes, it does sound different and it is the correct answer, or at least according to them. So the Hyena Project found that social support played by far the biggest role in um, this rank inheritance. And I mean, it makes sense. They are extremely, extremely social animals. They are constantly interacting with each other and picking and making sure that, you know, they're staying where they need to be in the social ladder. And... Uh, some really cool evidence um, just came out recently. It was a 2019 paper, um, and it was by people from the Hyena Project. And this paper looked at 21 years worth of interactions between clan members. 21 years? 21 years. With the same clan? With the same clan. Fascinating. Yeah. Wait, how do they know it's true for other clans too then? Well, there's been other research looking at other clans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but this is just like one specific paper looking at a specific clan. Sure. the The Hyena Project is really interesting because they look at a group of clans like down inside of like a caldera. So like like a kind of geographically isolated area and they look at how these clans interact and it's 
really cool. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting that they have this group of animals that pretty much stay there and do the same thing every year and have the same food availability. Because some hyenas do have very big ranges and will move and you know, go after prey and follow prey as they migrate, but Mm -hmm. these hyenas do not. Are you talking about these and those hyenas as in species or specific groups of these specific yeah, these specific clans. Okay. Um some some spotted hyenas will move around more, but these ones do not. But twenty one years worth of interactions for a total of four thousand one hundred and thirty three interactions. I feel like there should be more documenting given that time frame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, they're probably not watching them all year round, okay, okay. and some years are better for watching than others. But yeah, it's it's still a lot. Okay, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, but and this was between seven hundred and forty eight different hyenas. Wow. Yeah. Um, cause spotted hyenas can live in very large clans of like up to 130 individuals. And what's their lifespan? Uh, about 13 years in the wild. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's, I can't think of any other carnivores that come even close to that size of social groups. Like, no, that is in my mind unheard of. Yeah. I, I mean, meerkats but does that yeah. count like, i don't know <laughs> i know what you mean like yeah, big carnivores yeah. yeah yeah um but anyways so it's a lot of hyenas a lot of interactions and they found that in clans that were heavily made up of like familiar females so like mom and babies um and their sisters and their babies related yes males. okay um with males that had immigrated in the females almost completely dominated the males every single time and every single interaction um those you know newcomer males just could not stand up to the females ever (laughs) beautiful um but in clans where there were very few immigrants the outcomes of social interactions were split nearly 50 50 between females and males as far as who would win that interaction so if it was males that they had known a long time and had been around for a long time, then they had a, a better chance of, you know, winning these interactions. Okay. And so this this premise kind of shapes hyena society. Males will usually leave their birth clan to find a mate. Um, and when they do, they completely lose their social standing and all of their bonds that they've created in those first, like, three or so years of life. Oh, shoot, yeah. So they're coming in at the bottom of the totem pole whenever they enter a new clan. That's so interesting because everything's hierarchical. Yeah. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, you know, based on, like, your parentage and stuff. If yeah. you lose your parentage, you've lost anything that you might have used to yep. have any social standing. Yep. And that's why if it's a male that's been in the pack for a long time, if his mom was a higher-ranking female, he's also going to be a high-ranking male. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So that is way more important to hyenas than mm. sex. <laughs> yeah. Biological sex as an identity, not, like, yeah, the act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. And that's why so, like, so, like, so often all males in the clan are going to be lower ranking than any of the females is because there are new males coming in. It's extremely rare for males to stay in the clan. If they did stay in the clan, they would keep that high rank 
but usually they're going to leave so that they can disperse and find females. Interesting. So, yeah. so it's not otherwise it'd be total inbreeding. So that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. You almost have to from a biologic standpoint. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to, is is there ever a reason why a young female would disperse to a new clan? Um, if there was too many, like if the clan was just getting too big, she might get pushed out um, oh, by okay. by the clan or she might just leave of her own accord because she's just like, I'm hungry. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I got to do something. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, but like a high ranking female, there's no reason for her to ever leave right. because she's getting all the food and babies and everything else that she could ever possibly need. Right. So, um, but yeah, lower ranking females might leave if they're having trouble getting enough food and things like that. Cool. And they'd be in the same position as any male that left mm-hmm. their own clan. Yep. They'd start over at the bottom and then hopefully work their ways back up. But, yeah. and especially like for males, generally the only time that they move up in rank is going to be when a higher male dies. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah. Poor, Poor male hyenas. <laughs> uh, and the hyena project like summed up this study super well. So I'm just going to read a quick quote. Um, okay. Spotted hyena females are often portrayed as archetypes of powerful and ferocious females. <laughs> they are on average heavier than the males, have highly masculinized outer genitalia, which, like we talked about earlier, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but they have pseudopenises. <laughs> Surprise, if you didn't know that. And females usually occupy the highest position in, in this society. But according to the new study, it is not their manliness that allows them to dominate males. What is so fascinating is that it all works without any direct involvement of other hyenas. In the end, it's all about assertiveness and how confident a hyena is of receiving support if needed. Oh, confident of receiving support. Yeah. So it's not that like the females are ganging up on each other. It's not that the females are ganging up on the males. It's just like... I know that I'm really cool and that I'm strong and awesome and I'm going to make sure that you know it too. Like they're just very confident. Like it, so many times I've read about hyenas and they're like, you know, oh, the pseudo penis and oh, they're big and strong and that's why they dominate the males. But no, it's literally just the social support and the bonds that they create with like their sisters and their cubs that keep them, you know, dominating for the most part over the males. Nicole, you mean it's not like the old patriarchal ideals of what makes someone a true and masculine leader and it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, human ideals that yeah. we are trying to prop up after centuries of learning that uh, patriarchy needs to be abolished. <laughs> it's not It's not remnants of, of that. Yeah, it's not the penis that gives them the power. It's just... I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's wild. It might- s- it's a big penis. <laughs> it is. And they're so strong. I know. Whoa. I know. Might be a hard pill for you to swallow, but... I swallowed. <laughs> <laughs> I choked down that horse pill. <laughs> Let's go. I was ready for it my whole life. <laughs> Amazing. <I'm> so glad. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I, I think that's really cool and I don't know I never I just kind of bought into the narrative about oh they're bigger so they're stronger and therefore they dominate the males yeah but that's not what it is at all that's so cool and it it's such a good reminder that as scientists we've really got to look at 
like the data and and mm-hmm. really study things even if they seem obvious to us because we're always biased by our human interpretations yeah. of things to you know add meaning onto interactions that we see that isn't actually there and in order yeah. to actually understand what's happening with an animal and it's fully alien society mm-hmm. we have to look and like actually learn what they're doing yeah absolutely sometimes it takes 21 years of research <laughs> to figure that out and that's okay but yeah yeah is that the reputation bashing you're talking about? I feel like this makes me appreciate them more. What do you want to know about? Oh, Shut up. That I was spooked not me. talking to you, people. <laughs> Suddenly a male voice. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Did I just get interrupted by oh, my Google The name? audacity. The audacity. Oh, wow. my God. Only a man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I feel like the socialness of the animals and how important those social bonds is overlooked so much Yeah, all the time. Like, yeah. And admittedly, there are a lot of animals that do just beat each other up to get higher in the social rank. So like, I get it. But not every animal is the same. And yeah, yeah. we need to keep that in mind. And it might be that a lot of those animals where we have seen behaviors like that, like mm-hmm. that's not the full explanation of what's happening in those social yeah. interactions. Like. It's so interesting to me still that the main predictor of a hyena, I don't know, a position in a hierarchy yeah. is just birth order. It's like <laughs> literally who gave birth to you. Yeah. And I mean, who knows what other kinds of elements like that are mm-hmm. so hard to see visually Yeah. Um, that are feeding into the behaviors that we're able to witness. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Yeah. And despite their extremely social nature, spotted hyenas um, will often actually hunt alone or in, like, really, really small groups. Interesting. Yeah. And I found one paper um, that mentioned about 75% of hunts are actually conducted by lone hyenas. Huh. Um, And whether they hunt alone or in a group, the success rate of the hunts don't really change that much. Um, Hmm. If they're hunting in a group, they will go after larger animals. Okay. Um... Because, yeah, you can do that if you're hunting with a group and you can't do that when you're alone. So that makes sense. Um, But all hyena hunts are about uh, 33% successful. So like one in three hunts are successful. Um, So they're not super great hunters, even though like recent PR is saying, oh, they're great hunters and blah, blah, blah. I mean, one in three isn't bad. No, I don't think it's that different from other predators either, mm -hmm. to be honest, but I'm not sure I know any stats to back that up. I just feel like I've read stuff like that similarly. Yeah. And it's a whole lot better than like cheetahs, which are like 10% successful or something. Mm. Cheetahs are terrible hunters. Um, They're amazing animals, but they're terrible hunters. (laughs) Um, But it's nothing like uh, spotted dogs, painted dogs hunting dogs whatever you want to call them Mm. uh their hunting rate success is like 85 percent. no way yeah oh that's impressive yeah they're wickedly successful and i guess maybe that's kind of i'm used to like those numbers so maybe that's why i think that one in three isn't that good okay it's still good but like it's nothing like 85 percent. sure and then like dragonflies are 95 percent successful in well, their dragonflies hunts. are like i don't know extra planar entities like they, they are way too cool to really be a fair comparison to anything i mean fair but <laughs> i still like to bring them out because it's cool okay okay are painted dogs in the same habitat as spotted hyenas they, they would are. be right okay mm-hmm. yep they are indeed um and there's actually been uh like observations of spotted hyenas following uh, d- painted dog packs and like stealing their kills after they I mean, kill that them. That makes sense. Yeah, I-, I have two questions. Yes. Um, 
first question, when a small group of hyenas or a lone hyena makes a kill, mm -hmm. do other hyenas get to feed on that kill? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So once a kill is made, especially spotted hyenas are not quiet about it. They get very excited and they whoop and they holler and giggle and all those things. And the entire clan will come running and just feast. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was going to say it would make sense to me mm -hmm. if it was both true that the small group got to eat the kill and that they gorged themselves so heavily. Like maybe they need to not share with everybody in order to be right. full. Yeah. But no, that, that checks out too. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that might be part of the reason why they do so many solo hunts is like if you take down that animal, you're still going to get first dibs just because no one else is nearby. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually people are going to, people, um, other hyenas <laughs> are going to, you know, figure out that you killed something and they're going to come running. And yeah. then that's when that social hierarchy comes in. If you're at the lowest totem pole, even if you made that kill, you're still going to get butted out by, you know, the lead hyenas. Yeah. So. And if your groups of 100 hyenas are doing, like, solo hunts and 33% yeah. of them are effective, that's a lot of carcasses. A, yeah. And I, I, that's, I was thinking about that. I was like, why do they do so many solo hunts? And I feel like that's a big part of it is, like, yeah. there's so many mouths to feed. Like, they have to. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, do you know much about the way that they hunt? Because maybe their style of hunting is just more effective when there's not a group of them giving away positions or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's, like, oh, I'm here and I'm just going to chase you down type hunting mm -hmm. or, like, I'm going to stalk you and surprise you. Yeah. So they mostly do endurance hunting um, where they'll just – spook a herd of animals and then take down the weak ones so oh, okay. they don't do a whole lot of uh stalking um i did there was one really fun video that i watched um where there was a hyena going after a topi which oh. is a, a large uh antelope i think they're they're like a hundred no okay so hyenas are like 120 pounds ish topies are about 240 pounds so that's 108 kilograms versus 54 kilograms wow pretty decent size difference mm -hmm. um but hyenas will regularly go after the topies and in this video the hyena was just kind of like trotting around like looking at the topi acting like he wasn't going to eat them and then all of a sudden just like grabbed one like he was like 10 feet away from this animal and it was laying down oh my he had god no idea that it was on the hunt like he was just like hanging out like ooh, i'm not doing anything <laughs> and, then, like, <laughs> and then yeah just grabbed him by the armpit and like held on until it died like jeez that's intense <laughs> it was gnarly not even like the throat the arm no, is the armpit Cause, well they, that's like all they can reach like because the topi is so, like literally the top of the hyena was like to the belly of the topi oh wow like, that's the size difference that we're talking about okay here. and this single hyena took it down ooh. like a couple hyenas like when it was already kind of dying a couple other hyenas came over and like helped but like it took it down by itself wow so, yeah. okay that's impressive mm -hmm. and like just having the the weight doesn't really put into scale like yeah height differences mm -hmm. and other like i don't dimensions of yeah. what is happening in this picture so that's even more impressive <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that's i was watching the video i was like there's no way he's gonna take that down but he did it was you got your armpit what you gonna do about it <laughs> die <laughs> yes but yeah, and then like the other the other hyenas when they came in, they went for like the armpit and like the groin area too. Like none of them went for like the typical like cat kill, which is usually like throat or like nose and like Face, head. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was always like the armpit and like yeah. Man, that's bizarre. It was weird. And they I mean, they do tend to start eating the animal before it's actually dead. Yeah. That's something they like to do. Um and I guess those regions of the ant regions of the animals like bodies like really thin skin 
So okay. I guess that's why they go for those areas. That makes sense. It probably bleeds a lot too. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking like armpit isn't that far away from the heart, so. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not a prey animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and hyenas, they're, they're gnarly. And the spotted hyena in particular, like they're just, I, I, I hate to call any animal aggressive, but just the way that they hunt is is aggressive. Sure. Um, And they have... Uh, been known to prey on humans um oh. yeah there's been uh man killer hyenas that like took out like a couple dozen humans before they were able to put that animal down mm. like they are a serious threat in some areas of africa um oh but, shoot yeah. is it the spotted hyena that has some relationships at times with towns and cities and villages where they'll like hang out in the village and like take bone scraps from people and yeah. they get like very habituated to people okay. yeah they will and i've seen people have like pet spotted hyenas and things like that Ooh, that's like, scary Ooh, it's very scary it sounds like the same energy as having a chimpanzee yeah <laughs> you're waiting for your face to get ripped off mm-hmm. yeah it's it's uh scary <laughs> yikes do not have a pet hyena please um i couldn't remember if i was picturing the wrong animal and it was actually painted yeah. dogs or something sure but, sure oh god <laughs> Yeah, it's scary. I mean, they're all hyenas are wicked smart. Like they they know where food is easy to come by, and whether that's like in the middle of a town or if it's a farmer's field, um, they they do sometimes go after farm animals too. Mostly the spotted sure. hyena again, which is another reason why I think it's important to distinguish like what species exactly is doing this, mm. because like the brown hyena, which we'll talk about next it's it's near threatened like it's it's a rare animal um and if we're always pinning the blame on hyenas and not specifically the spotted hyena you know it causes repercussions for some of the other ones that are just hanging out and not killing livestock or people it's pretty easy if you're in a position i think where you have something really valuable or precious to protect yeah to rather take the chance that it will do something and and you need to take action Mm -hmm. versus taking a chance that could really impact your life or something you care about so that it makes sense to me and yeah that's i think why it's so important to Mm -hmm. make sure no i I get being scared of hyenas like that is (laughs) very valid (laughs) yes so let's just uh remember which hyenas to be scared of (laughs) yes (laughs) um Huh. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Crunch, crunch, crunch. But enough about the spotted hyena. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> You're very cool, but get out of here. Uh, let's talk about the brown hyena. Like I said, they are they're... near threatened. Um, they're fairly rare animals, and they are declining. Um, for a whole host of reasons. Um, <laughs> but they are unique because they live in extremely arid dry environments um, in Africa. So they live mostly in Southern Africa, well, entirely in Southern Africa. They have a very small range, um, the smallest of any of the hyena species. Ooh, yeah. Like what was the, what was the range Ooh, on the yeah. spotted hyena? So the spotted hyena lives like everywhere in Africa, except Southern Africa. Oh, basically. Oh, okay. cool. <laughs> they don't live in like the middle jungle part of Africa, but they live on both coasts and all across the Northern half, half of Africa. Okay. They have a huge range. Even in the Sahara? Or do yes. they kind of skip that band? I, okay. I think they do. Not Probably not as much, but yeah. Sure. Okay. But yeah. 
That's so interesting because you said uh, the dry parts. And so I was picturing mm-hmm. at least like the grasslands that border the Sahara that are really dry, arid yeah. grasslands. But mm-hmm. no, it's just in the southern part of the continent. Yeah. Brown hyenas have a very, very small range. Okay. Um, and since they do live in such a dry, arid environment, their diet is quite a bit different um, than the other hyenas. So they actually eat grass. Is there a lot of hydration in grass? No, I'm Okay. <laughs> Cactus. Uh, maybe, but mostly they eat fruit. <laughs> is what I was oh, wait, at. for real? Yeah, okay, that's eat... not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> yeah, they eat a lot of fruit. Like, they still have, like, very similar dentition. Like, they have canines. They have a lot of sharp teeth. But they eat a lot of fruit um, to get the water that they need. Wow. Okay, yeah. I was legitimately not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was the notion that felines are obligate carnivores yeah that probably was clouding that judgment there i wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting them to be like fox like diets yeah okay fun and i I had no idea about that before i started researching this like i knew brown hyenas existed and i knew that they were fairly rare but i did not know that they ate so much fruit like what percentage of their diet is it is it like a seasonal thing or I don't know. Um, (laughs) I tried to look it up and I couldn't find like exact numbers. I'm sure they exist somewhere. Um, But yeah, it is like every paper and like article that I read said it was a significant portion of their diet. Okay. So take that for what you will. Yeah. But it was not mentioned in any of the other species that they even ate fruit. So. Wow. Um, They are very hardy survivors, um, and one study in the Kalahari Desert showed that 86% of cubs will reach 15 months old, which is pretty good for carnivores. They, yeah, it's hard to feed babies, and they die. That's a significant survival rate, because that would be, like, Mm -hmm. old enough to be weaned at least. Yes. (laughs) And to have a few months under your belt Mm -hmm. as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And something else that's kind of interesting is that like this very very high survival rate is at least partially due to the fact that all the females in the clan will take care of each other's babies they'll nurse each other's babies they'll bring back food for each other's babies that does not happen with spotted hyenas they feed their own kids they only have two pups they feed just theirs and you know whatever happens to the other ones who knows um but not so with the brown hyena they're very cooperative when you say they feed the others, you mean like they will let other cubs suckle on them mm-hmm. and not just bring them food or something? Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah. They will suckle other cubs. They do prioritize their own, okay. but they will suckle other cubs. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, and like, and I feel like that's fairly rare in at least carnivores because, I mean, like even lions, like there's always like the nanny lion, but she's not nursing all of those cubs. She just kind of makes sure they don't like fall off a cliff and die. Like, <laughs> you know, like she's not feeding them. Sure. Yeah. So pretty unique. Yeah. The nursing time frame is very similar. They nurse until the pups are about a year old, um, but they do have that cooperative care. Yeah. They also live in much smaller clans, which is probably just due to the fact that there's not a lot of food to go around. They can't have mm. clans that are 130 strong because there's not enough food. And um, also because they're threatened. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. That That's too. The reason. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like it's it the max size is going to be maybe like 10, 12 individuals. Okay. Usually it's mom, dad, and their cubs. Um, they don't get super big. Okay. 
Honestly, I feel like that's probably better for a threatened species because yeah. it means you're not going to lose a significant, you're not going to lose as significant a portion of your population if something terrible happens yeah. to one clan. Mm-hmm, for sure. And they do have larger litters than the spotted hyenas, hyenas which kind of surprised me. Because um, usually if you're in a harsh environment, you have smaller litters, focus on them. Um, but they can have litters up to five pups um, versus the spotted hyenas, two. That's also really interesting because they have such a high infant mortality, or sorry, uh, survival rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I would also expect in that scenario for, you know, it to be like a matter of, well, we have to make sure at least one survives, but yeah. so many of them are surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's impressive. Huh. Like, they've really figured out how to deal with this really dry environment cool. very, very well. Berries, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the brown hyena... Unlike the spotted hyena, which primarily hunts its own food, I say primarily in very heavy air quotes. I was going to say. Because. (laughs) She did it. (laughs) Um, The spotted hyena, I saw one paper that was like 54% of their food is their own kills. I'm like, yeah, that's technically most, but like barely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, come on. (laughs) Um, But the brown hyena has no shame. It It's mostly a scavenger. Um, and But it will take down like really small prey because this is a much smaller hyena. Of course. I was just going to point out that the spotted hyena also has no shame. We're the ones as humans that are <laughs> putting shame onto this animal yes. that it does not have naturally. Mm-hmm. You're Thank right. You. You're right. <laughs> but it, it just cracks me up. Like there's, again, so much good PR for the spotted hyena. Yeah. They do most of their own kills. And it's like, yeah, 54% is most, but like, come on. Yeah. It's not that yeah. impressive. It's not, it's like, not that impressive. It's whatever. So what's wrong with scavenging? Again? Yeah. Yeah. So efficient. Any self-respecting carnivore will scavenge. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Ben Franklin. <laughs> if you know, you know. Yes, yes. Um, And I found a really just bizarre out of context fun fact about the brown hyena Hmm. i don't know how true it is (laughs) it was it was just on the brown hyena wikipedia page there's no shame in using wikipedia um but it was from the book the velvet claw by david mcdonald and he mentions quote young animals can crack the leg bones of springboks within five minutes of birth and I don't know why it's specifically within five minutes, why it's springbok, or why it's specifically mentioned brown hyenas. Yeah. Can the other ones do this? I have no idea. I tried to look up more information about this book. I couldn't find anything. Wow. Grain of salt. I just want to know <laughs> whether somebody, like, took a fresh, fresh out the oven... <laughs> Hyena and like stuck a bone in its mouth like all right kiddo it's your moment we gotta test this theory yeah right and it's like i mean yeah i have no idea if it was just like a one-off observation like there was like a bone laying around and the pup just like chewed on it and broke it i have no idea like (laughs) where did this come from is it just based off of like the bite strength of a baby like a pup I have no idea. But how is that absurd? You know, I'm going to choose to believe it because I think it's delightful and mm-hmm. it seems like it could be true. They do at least have teeth. so I mean, they do. It's not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure this guy has a good reason to think what he thinks. Yeah. It's not an outlandish theory. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, but it was just... It was just, like, thrown randomly into the Wikipedia page. Just, like, this one... That was the only thing that was mentioned. That one sentence that I read is... I don't know. It's, it's weird. Anyways, that's the brown hyena. Apparently, they're just 
raring to go out the oven. The Velvet Claw. <laughs> the Velvet Claw. Oh, okay. Which is a very good book name. <laughs> it's a very good book name. I'm going to see if I can find it. Yes. Maybe it's on Libby. I tried. It's You not. did? Oh, yeah. man. I tried Libby and I tried I tried even the local Wichita library. I was going to check it out and read this book because oh, it sounds God. fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's from like 1980s or something. Oh, shit. It's a little bit older but it's not that old though it's more recent than i was picturing yeah yeah i'll see if it's on (laughs) zlib if it's on the z library project yes yes uh yeah that's the brown hyena they're very cute i i love their like just aesthetic yeah yeah they're fun yeah (laughs) i i like that the bear looking hyena is the one that also has like a bearish diet yeah yeah sort of The next is the striped hyena. Stripey. They got stripes. They're not like, they look a lot like the spotted hyena, but they have stripes and they're a little bit fluffier. Fluffy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and it is also very notably primarily a scavenger. Okay. They live in Northern Africa, uh, like most of Northern Africa and well into the Middle East and even into most of India. Interesting. So, again, a very wide range. Okay. These guys live primarily alone or in pairs, um, much like the brown hyena. But, like, even, like, it's primarily alone or in pairs. The brown hyena will occasionally have, like, you know, pups from last year or, like, a random, you know, male that wanders in. But striped, it's alone or in pairs. Interesting. I thought you said the brown hyena could live in groups of up to ten. Is that always related to individuals? It's not always related with the brown hyena, but a lot of times it is. It's mom and like pups from last year and pups from this year. So. Okay. Yeah. Males don't stick around? They will. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Cool. Just kind of depends on the individual group, huh? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. The social aspect of these last three hyena species is like, I wouldn't say debated, but it's still being found out. Like there's a lot of really recent research that kind of debunks some older stuff. Um, So it's all pretty fluid. Cool. Yeah. Um, And the striped hyenas' cubs are born with closed eyes like the brown hyenas, but notably they're weaned after just two months. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So they, yeah, they, they get them going quick. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I, I don't know why it's so much shorter than the other species. Mm, I couldn't find anything about it. But just different. I mean, they're all yeah. in different genera. So yeah, yeah. It makes sense that there'd be random, very big differences that seem to have no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and striped hyenas have a lot of overlap in their range with wolves and are often direct competitors. Uh, they can and will chase wolves off of a kill, uh, despite being quite a bit smaller than wolves. Um, and they will at the very least scavenge the bones after the wolves are done because wolves don't just eat bones like hyenas do. Um, and this relationship is not unlike some of the you know african hyenas relationships with things like lions painted dogs and even leopards Mm. um but what is unique um with this relationship (laughs) is that there has been a single documented case of a single hyena seemingly integrating like completely with a wolf pack 
I'm sorry, what? Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> I mean, whether or not it's happened multiple times, it's hard to say because these are very reclusive animals. Again, they live alone and they sure. live in, you know, parts of the world that are kind of hard to get to. Um, so, I mean, we've seen it once. It's probably happened at least more than once. Yeah. Um, but in 1994, a group of researchers found wolf tracks with a set of hyena tracks just kind of mixed in. And again, it's not unusual for the hyenas to follow the wolves and then, you know, beat them off their kill or eat their scraps. So at first, that's that's what they thought was happening. But when they started looking at the tracks closer, they realized that sometimes the wolf prints were on top, sometimes the hyena prints were on top. So that implied that, you know, this hyena was actually moving through the pack. It wasn't until three years later <laughs> that they actually saw the animals moving together and the hyena literally like just comfortable as can be hanging out with these wolves. Wow. Yeah. And I, I want to say, uh, I didn't write it down, but they literally like, again, three years later and they saw this weird pack for like seven minutes and that's all they got to see of them and they like disappeared into the trees. Oh my gosh. So wild <laughs> oh that's so cool it's like oh i wonder how many other things like that are happening that we just mm -hmm. like don't have the fortune of crossing paths with yeah absolutely like it's so weird like what a weird yeah like because the hyena's not getting anything except for food like obviously it can't mate with the wolves um and yeah it's just one single hyena it's not like a pear or anything like that I want to know his origin it? story. Yeah. <laughs> or <right>? hers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it didn't say if it was a male or a female. Or if it did, I did not notice. But okay. yeah. Huh. Pretty strange. <laughs> yeah. If you search like wolf with hyena pack, something along those lines, you'll find like dozens of headlines about this story. And they're all like a little bit misleading. And it'll say like, uh wolves hang out with hyenas and like stuff like that like implying that it's something that happens a lot but this is literally something that's been witnessed once sure yeah <laughs> not to say that it hasn't happened more than that but it's only been witnessed once so, right you know but it is cool <laughs> and finally my favorite the little little art wolf He's so cute. It's he's not a, a He's not a wolf. He's not a dog at all. He's a cat. But, you know, we like naming things confusingly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I already mentioned this earlier, but they are extremely different from the other hyenas. Um, not only in size. They're only like 30 pounds max. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they are the last descendant of the dog-like hyenas. And wow. they're much more agile, much more slender. And it's their diet that has really helped them thrive, um, where its ancestors cannot, because it loves bugs and it primarily eats termites. Oh my god, there's so many of those. Yeah, they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> um, and you know that that they have a super long tongue. I couldn't find exactly how long it was for some reason. <laughs> people love to tell people how long animal tongues are, but I could not find. A number on the art wolf. I don't know why. It's so disappointing. It is. It really is. Some zoo out there has to know. Come on, yeah. give it to us. Yeah, yeah. Like, for real. Um, but, yeah, it's long and sticky and gross. And <laughs> they don't actually, like, tear apart, like, termite mounds. Like, we think of, like, other termite eaters doing. They just kind of lap them off the ground. <laughs> Aww. Um, and they can eat something, like, 
trapped 200,000 termites a day or something crazy like that. So that's too many termites. It's so many. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but and they'll, they'll eat other like small prey items, but primarily they're eating termites. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and they, they live in uh, social, but not sexually monogamous pairs and raise their cubs together. So again, very, very small groups, um, but it is the mom and dad both helping. Mm -hmm. And like with the spotted hyenas, where it's primarily just the mother doing all the work. Mm -hmm. um, they, since they are so small, they very rarely pick fights. Um, if, you know, two aardwolves come across each other, they'll probably just be like, oh, sorry, and just leave. Um, like, they, <gasps> they don't fight each other, like, Aww. ever. <laughs> um, and they will sometimes, like, if there's really good foraging ground, like unrelated individuals will just kind of forage, not beside each other, but like within eyesight of each other. So okay. they're not territorial hardly at all. Okay. Um, as long as there's lots of food around. If there's not a lot of food around, obviously they're going to defend a food source. But for the most part, they just, they bluff a lot. Um, <laughs> so these guys have an amazing mane of hair that will stand straight up um, and <laughs> makes them like it's. I want to say it's like 12 inches long and on wow. an animal that's this small, like it's pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. And it stands completely straight up and they will bark and whine and act dramatic. And they even will secrete a really gross smelling uh, paste to <clears throat> smell bad and yeah, just bluff their way out of encounters. <laughs> I've definitely heard of the odor component. Did not know it was a paste, number yeah. one. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is actually a question. Uh, <laughs> where do they excrete it out of? Is it like from their mouth or their anus? Uh, so it's it's from their anus. Um, well, their, their anal glands. You're making a very fun face right now. <laughs> I have a whole section on it. Oh, um, my God. So <laughs> it, it's, it has a really fun name. Um it's called hyena butter. Oh, God. Why? Why would researchers do this? Not researchers, probably. It's probably just people. Why would people do this? Yeah. So it's called hyena butter. I hate it. Stop saying that. <laughs> and the best part about this is that even <laughs> though aardwolves are, for some reason, singled out as like doing this as like a defense mechanism... All of the hyenas have hyena butter <laughs> oh, and will no. use it to, like, mark their territory primarily. Not to season their meat? Mm, no, I don't think so. I'm very sorry that that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's 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 nasty. It smells bad. Uh, apparently, it's, like, black and what? white. Like, it's, it's it has a color to it. It's not just the odor. It has, like, a distinct color to it, which disturbs me for some reason black and white is it like marbled what does so that mean they i i honestly don't know with the aardwolves they specifically mentioned that like whenever they mark like a blade of grass like i think it's the black part of the paste is always like above the white part of the paste oh my God. i don't know i got, i was kind of like grossing myself out so i didn't dive into it too deep i don't know it's very very strange Listen, Nicole, if you're going to go there, you have to go all the way. There's, that's a kind of unacceptable. I'm so sorry. I mean, it's I don't know why it's those colors. And I don't know if the different colors, if all four species have the black and the white paste. But it seems like they can like kind of choose to secrete either the black or the white or both of them. I don't understand how it works. 
Also, something really gross I found out. I can't remember which species it was. It might have been the aardwolves, but I hope it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) When they're secreting this paste, they can extend their anus like six inches and just kind of kiss it onto vegetation. Six inches? Yes. They can make, they can prolapse (laughs) their anus into an Audi anus to kiss their hyena butter onto stuff. Yeah. It might have been like four inches, but four to six, somewhere in there. I saw a picture. It was very disturbing. I think I'm beginning to understand why you didn't dive deeper. (laughs) Once I saw the picture, I was like, okay, I'm done. I need to move on to something else. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, wow, I'm speechless. Me too. <laughs> Is this what you were telling Becky about last night? I didn't tell her about hyena butter. <laughs> it's not even the hyena butter at this point. It's the, the telescoping telescoping Audi prolapsing of the anus. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's all I got about aardwolves. Is it like a specific pouch that's like built for that? Is it like a specific portion of their cult? Is it part of their rect? I don't... I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Every single hyena has this. Yeah. That is a basal trait. Do civets do that? Yeah, civets do mark, yes. I don't think it's quite as disturbing, but they have more of a paste versus, like, other cats. Like, uh, jaguars will spray, but, like, it's a spray. Like, it's right. liquid. Um, but no, yeah, civets do have a paste. Oh, my God. Yeah. That goes deep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's honestly very cool. Yeah. I like that they have their own built-in marking system that's both visual and odorous also very cool note that it's black and white because those are very contrasting colors that stand Mm -hmm. out really well for mammals that don't see the full color spectrum Mm -hmm. yeah it's wild (laughs) jesus (laughs) but yeah oh Um, man thanks hey how i just have like a i'm just trying to put it into perspective right Mm -hmm. like it's smelly as a human how close would i have to be to begin to get a whiff of it Sources say meters. I don't know how many meters, okay. but meters. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, Ooh, quite odorous. Um, and yeah, that, that's all. I, that's all I got about those guys. Um, <laughs> the ar- the wolf? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They thank eat you. bugs. They're real cute. They're small, and they're dog-like hyenas. Yeah, that's the coolest part about them. Is like yeah. they're that last of that really basal form of hyenas. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that that's really cool, too. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of taxonomy and evolution and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm aware. So I'm biased. (laughs) But, you know, that is something we look for when we're looking at um, conservation and biodiversity because it is, you know, if if you have to prioritize protections, you want to protect something that's going to be that rare. Yeah. So they got weirdly nihilistic, I think, there at the end. Was that that nihilism? (laughs) I don't no, know. Probably not. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know anymore either. My my brain is floating mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, um, in the extraplanar space that dragonflies come from. <laughs> Amazing. It must be a beautiful place there. I'm sure it looks very different to their eyes as well. Oh, Imagine if we could yeah. see it through their eyes. Oh, my God. I would totally, like, 
take bug eyes for a day just to like see what they see you know yeah i think i would too but i would not take being a bug because the (laughs) risk of death would be too high it's yeah extremely high (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um but yeah enough about bugs this isn't a bug episode oh yeah nicole (laughs) (laughs) i try my best uh yeah so the only only other thing that (laughs) i wanted to talk about was you know the thing that we teased at the beginning What's going on with spotted hyena genitalia? Is that only spotted hyenas? It is only spotted hyenas, which okay. is another thing. Yeah. You know, we always talk about hyenas have pseudo penises. No, only the spotted hyena has it. See, I was going to ask this earlier, but I decided to hold it in because I knew we would get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially when we were talking about like, ooh, do the males stick around in this species, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what are the traits yeah. uh, in their genitalia here? Like, because mm-hmm. I don't know. We humans like to put so much weight on <laughs> penises for some reason. Uh-huh. I don't know why society that used to be ruled by men, or still is, uh, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, uh, <laughs> would place so much emphasis on penises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The spotted hyena pseudopenis is a very unique organ. There's a lot going on here with the reproductive tract in general. Birth I- canal. Clitoris. Mm-hmm. What else? Umbilical cord. Just kidding. Good job. I mean, that's actually important. Oh, no. Yes. Really? For the babies or the adults? Oh, no. (laughs) Your face. (laughs) I was telling our poor friend Becky all of this last night, and she was like, (laughs) how have they survived? And I was like, I don't know. Um, And yet they're they're the most numerous hyena species. They have the widest range. They do very well, but they're so, so bad at giving birth. And a lot of it is because of this pseudopenis. So the pseudopenis is an enlarged clitoris. It's like six inches long, six and a half inches long, which is the same size as a male's penis. Um, they also have um, pseudo balls, mm-hmm. which is crazy like you literally if you are looking at a hyena a spotted hyena it's hard to tell if it's a male or a female mm-hmm. because the genitalia look almost identical and it causes so many problems for the females especially when it comes to giving birth and i tried to like search like if it causes so many problems why do they have it yeah in <laughs> the I couldn't find any really good answers. Okay. If you've never seen a video of a spotted hyena giving birth, it is something to behold. Um, it is wild. Um, so there's this really great book called Wild Sex, The Science Behind Mating in the Animal Kingdom by Karen Bondar. It's an amazing book. It's very, very good. And I read like a whole excerpt about spotted hyenas and I just want to I just want to throw a couple quotes at you real quick. All right, I'm ready. Um, so <laughs> they give birth to one to one and a half kilogram, three pound babies. Okay, which is very large for okay. carnivores. Okay, <laughs> through the penile clitoris, the birth canal is approximately two and a half centimeters in diameter, <gasps> and females often experience severe tearing. Mm-hmm. The rate of female mortality during childbirth is abnormally high for first-time mothers. The news isn't all that much better for the babies, who often separate from the placenta, get caught in the birth canal, and die from anoxia. 
which is lack of oxygen. Suffocation. Yeah. Just suffocating inside that big penile clitoris. Yep. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah. So a three pound baby through a two and a half centimeter opening. Okay, but like what's the diameter of a baby hyena head? <laughs> Much more than two and a half centimeters. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. That is so... Ooh, ooh. Yeah. And like it went on to talk about like... Like it always tears for first time mothers. Like it always tears. Hmm. Human females when they give birth. Um, like it like you have tearing sometimes. It's not every time. Yeah. And it's not nearly as uh intense sure. as with the hyenas. Again, if you watch a video, very Oof. disturbing. I don't know that I necessarily recommend it. Yeah. But it is fascinating. Just proceed with caution. Um, and later they mention it's easy to determine the sex of a post-reproductive adult female through her torn penile clitoris and oh, pulled God. nipples. <laughs> oh, God. Like, the best oh. way to tell an adult female hyena is post-birth because everything's destroyed. Jesus Christ. It's the easiest way to tell the sexes apart. Does that burst penile clitoris never heal back together not fully <gasps> oh so, my god yeah that first time it just gets destroyed oh, all <laughs> <laughs> oh, <this is> so <laughs> rachel just winced so hard <laughs> oh yikes um so yeah it gets destroyed the first mm. time um subsequent litters are much easier for the female well yeah In because fact, the birth canal is destroyed <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. It was described... It, subsequent litters were described as uneventful. <laughs> thanks to all the tearing from the first litter. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I mean, luckily their litter sizes are so small. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're so small. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Wait, are all the other hyena species... I don't think we talked about litter size, did we? Are they all larger? They are larger. I can't remember the aardwolf litter size, but, like, the brown hyenas, they can have five. I think striped hyenas is somewhere around five on mm. average. So, yeah, they do have larger litters. Not significantly larger, sense. but larger. Okay. I just want you to know that I am picturing... You know, like, in, in cartoons when, like, I don't know, Elmer Fudd points his gun at a rabbit and the rabbit sticks his carrot in the gun... And then it blows up and the gun turns into like four curling pieces that explode backwards. That's what I'm picturing. That's kind of literally what happens. Golly. Like as as a baby is entering the birth canal, which again is a clitoris. This is not right. <laughs> it like expands. Like it literally looks like right before the gun explodes with the finger in it, when it like whomp and like it expands, that's what mm. her pseudopenis looks like during birth. It's disturbing. Anyways. That's so interesting. Um yeah, so it is estimated that um, almost 10% of first-time mothers die in childbirth. 10% seems very small for what happens <laughs> to them. Yeah. That that seems like it should be higher, if I'm being honest. Oh, wow. That's fair. Um, and the first litter has a mortality rate of about 60%. Oh, that's bad. Okay. There's it's where the bad, bad part is. Okay. Yeah. Like the mothers make it through, but the babies are not so yeah. lucky. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Um, and so their, um, their umbilical cord, because you mentioned that earlier, the umbilical cord is fairly short compared to the length of the birth canal. Oh. So the umbilical cord will, um, detach before the baby is completely outside of 
the mother. Oh. And that's where that anoxia comes okay. in and all these other birth complications. I see. Okay. So, yeah. Shoot. And if you've got your birth canal split into an Elmer <laughs> gun, then like... <laughs> I mean, you're also reducing that risk, too, of the yeah. umbilical cord detaching before it can reach, like, an opening. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that's bad. Yep. Another fun fact about <sighs> uh, spotted hyena uh, anatomy is uh, they I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> the, 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 like, a typical mammal birth canal is, like, a straight line. It just, you oh. know, just okay. pops on out. Sure. Not so with spotted hyenas. What the hell is it? Is it a corkscrew? No. Okay, thank God. <laughs> um, the spotted hyena birth canal makes like a 180 degree turn Why? when it reaches the pelvis. So, you know, baby's cooking in mama's tummy, starts to come down the pelvis, and then it makes a 180 degree turn so that it can come out the pseudopenis. Wow. Yeah. That's, like, right up there with, like, the weird giraffe uh, aortic artery or whatever it is sort of situation where it's, like, if if somebody was, like, building a blueprint of how you should build a mechanical giraffe, you would never do that to the animal. No, never. Poor hyenas. Yeah. So there's just a lot of birth complications. Uh, Don't know how they still survive. Our our poor friend was... Uh, I think she canceled hyenas. It was her um, her verbiage. Um, yeah, our friend Becky. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, did we have a friend who researched them? No. What is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got lost in everything that happened. I forgot it's a lot. that it's you a were lot. telling all of this to our poor non-biologist friend. Yep. <laughs> My God. Um. So yeah. Uh. Dis- despite all of these complications, they still like there's still some reason to have. A pseudopenis. Yeah. The, you didn't like, come across any hypotheses or anything? I have a couple. Okay. I was going to say, I've definitely come across a few because yeah. I've done at least a little bit of research at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. So there's a couple hypotheses as to why they still have these weird pseudopenises. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could, like, it could just be as simple as the females having extremely high amounts of testosterone and androgens, um, which are, you know, typically higher in um males and so during development they develop a pseudopenis it is very weird that the birth canal would be tied into that development though yeah yeah so this yeah it's extremely weird because that is also like in case you didn't know it's not normal to give birth through your clit it's also not normal to pee through your clit but they do all of that through their pseudopenis yeah like pee birth everything like yeah mating is also done through the pseudopenis. I guess I don't so. know, like, ontologically, like, in the embryo development, mm-hmm. how those different tracks become, like, developmentally mm-hmm. all tied together into one tract, like, yeah. in a penis, or, you know, into separate tracks, like, in a set of female genitalia. Yeah. So, like, maybe it's not that complicated, and it's just, like, a matter of the genes switching on at a different place in the development that could be actually very simple yeah i think that is like a big part of it um but there are also some like social aspects like benefits i guess to having the pseudopenis it's not to beat up on the males like we've been told in the past (laughs) um but there's a lot of social communication that 
does happen through like genital licking and sniffing um, mm. and having the genitals exposed makes that all easier to do. Okay. Um, so valid hypothesis. Sure. I mean, social structure is incredibly important. To yeah. Them. Mm-hmm. And one other, <laughs> one other theory that I came across, which was a little out there, but like, okay. Um, was that, by having the females and the males look very similar, especially as infants, mm. it can increase their chances of surviving. Yeah. Um, infanticide, or, well, specifically, siblicide, so killing your sibling, is extremely common in hyenas. Okay. Um, it's, they come out of the womb with teeth. They are ready to fight, and they do fight all the time. And they can snap bones. <laughs> yes. In five minutes, apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, so, it... It would make sense that you would try to get rid of a female, like a sister, versus a brother if you had the choice to do so, um, to eliminate some of that competition. Because it's the females, again, that are going to be higher ranking. And if you can get rid of your sister, now you're head hyena under your mom. Mm -hmm. So if the males and the females look very similar, maybe that helps with that. Yeah. That actually does not sound that out there to me. It, that is the theory that I've come across before. I didn't okay. realize the siblicide was specifically yeah. an issue, so that makes even more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, especially in how detrimental it is to them in adulthood, yeah. the fact that it's potentially such a benefit to them in infancy, yeah. even though it causes so many problems as they develop. <laughs> um, and, you know, the other reasons that you cited, like the genitalia mm-hmm. being more visible and available for social cues and stuff, mm-hmm. like how much of that really matters when your entire birth canal is burst apart for most of your life? You know, like probably not yeah. as important or at least not like enough to have like that kind of selective pressure, I would imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, that it makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. Again, as someone with a clit. I don't know if I approve. It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It's not your body. And I think if you were a hyena, you would think it's maybe not great, but uh-huh. you would probably enjoy being the creature you are and oh. would be very confident in yourself <laughs> and your pseudo penis clit. Yes. yes. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's wild. And oh, another really um, beneficial reason to have a pseudopenis is that it allows the females complete reproductive control over the situation oh yeah males cannot forcefully copulate with females um she's in complete control yeah because i don't know if like i mean i don't i don't see a reason why we wouldn't talk about like the Mm -hmm. act of intercourse in this podcast in this scenario especially but um, they do uh, invert their pseudopenis in order to have sex. Yeah. So, yeah, that is a, probably a really important element of mm-hmm. them maintaining such control socially. Yeah, 100%. And not only can they invert it, but they do get boners. So, in case nice. anybody was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling like if they're like interested in copulation Mm -hmm. so you know they're they're really feeling it the boner is not the reaction they're having though it's like the inversion so what does a boner mean then is it just like aggression or like confidence yeah it can be aggression it's it's mostly in those social situations where they're you know saying hey i'm top hyena not you okay so yeah cool yeah what a neat animal very (laughs) 
<laughs> See, there's a couple of very good reasons there, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Oh, my God. How does having it burst apart change how you're able to, like, invert it? I don't know. Man. Physiologically. I don't think it, like, literally, like, ribbons up. It's just, like, the end that, you know, bursts. Only the end? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, but I, I was picturing, like, at least in some of them, like, mm-hmm. maybe, like, a seam opening up in the mm-hmm. middle of it. And then, like, from then on, they all just, like, pop out halfway through, like, a tracheotomy, <laughs> you know? Like, no. I mean, it was just mentioned as severe tearings. I don't know the extent of it. I didn't right. really look up pictures. Yeah, so. and, like, it's hard enough to find. I've looked up videos of the birds before. Uh-huh. I feel like that's hard enough to find, let mm-hmm. alone, like, pictures of mutilated. Yeah. And that's, like, such a weird thing to try or want to look up anyway. Yeah. So, ugh. I don't know. I, maybe there's some zoo workers out there who have very close encounters with these animals <laughs> who have cell phone reels full of very disturbing imagery. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> maybe, um. maybe they would feel um obliged to share with folks at some point to yes. give us a full picture mm-hmm. share with the class please um, man but yeah that's hyenas you know it's rare that i feel grateful to be a human woman and <laughs> in, in the birth like and reproductive mm-hmm. side of things i am in this moment grateful to be a human woman with human woman reproduction <laughs> yes 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 agreed <laughs> oh man there's there's so much misinformation around hyenas out there. Um, hopefully, I helped set the record straight at least a little bit. They are extremely important in the ecosystems that they live in, especially as, yes, scavengers. Like, we keep trying to talk them up as, you know, amazing hunters, but it's the scavenging part of their lifestyle that is so important because they eat absolutely every part of the body. Yeah. <laughs> they eat all the bones, all the skin, everything. And it's okay to appreciate them as being rowdy, dirty, stinky, little gremlins. Like, it's okay. Like, we should celebrate those parts of them. Celebrate them for who they truly are. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to talk them up. They're cool just as they are. I love them. Um, I think that they're neat. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you thank you they're very good um well thank you nicole and thank you listeners for enduring this with us uh the- enduring <laughs> Rude. i am just left with this feeling of wow i cringed a lot yeah that's fair <laughs> but like and not in a bad way does that make sense okay yeah it's like anyway <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Best Biome is produced by us uh, through our nonprofit Grassland Groupies. We are dedicated to inspiring the conservation of grasslands. Uh, in our show notes below, you can find our website, phone number, social media accounts, etc. So text, call, or tweet your suggestions at us. Uh, also, fan mail or hate mail, whatever. Uh, if you enjoyed the show and want to support us, tell your friends about us and leave a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. We really couldn't do this without your support. Um, so that's it. And I uh, guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So see you later. There's, there's a, are you on any D&D subreddits? Yes. There's a lot of discourse going around right now on gnolls because they're based on hyenas. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, 
I think it would add to your life if you uh, chimed in on those discussions. Fantastic. I, That's all I have to you, say. You think I can resist? No. <laughs> I learned so much about hyena anatomy. 